Hello, and welcome to Primary Immunodeficiency Questions and Answers. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation, or IDF, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life of people diagnosed with primary immunodeficiency diseases. You are listening to one of several special episodes focusing on young adults. In this series, we are going to be diving into topics that matter most to young adults living with primary immunodeficiencies, or PI. And now, let's begin. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode, Coping with Emotional Dimensions of PI, part of IDF's special programming for young adults. I'm your host, John Boyle. Before we begin, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hi everyone, I'm Margaret Mary Conger. I'm Senior Patient Engagement Associate with CSL Bearing. I just want to first thank the IDF for inviting me to welcome all of you on behalf of CSL Bearing. At CSL Bearing, we really are driven by our promise to the PI community to develop products, programs, and resources that serve your needs. We're really excited to be a partner on this latest educational effort that the IDF is putting together, so I hope that you enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much, Margaret Mary. People living with chronic illnesses know the physical toll it takes on the body. But living with a chronic illness also takes an emotional toll, and understanding how you're feeling mentally is just as important as understanding how you're feeling physically. Today, we'll be discussing the emotional and psychological impact of a PI in young adulthood, the connection between our minds and bodies, and how we can manage this relationship to positively affect our overall health. In this episode, we're speaking with Jody Taub. Jody is a private practice psychotherapist with over 17 years of clinical experience in working with children, adolescents, and adults. She specializes in the treatment of emotional issues that arise from coping with chronic illness. In addition to her professional career, Jody, who's a person with PI herself, has volunteered for IDF as a mental health expert, helping both patients and caregivers to better cope with emotional issues that arise from managing PI. Welcome, Jody. It's always good to have you with us. Thanks, John, for having me today. Well, let's start off with a question. If you're diagnosed with a primary immunodeficiency or PI, your physical health is not the only issue that you have to deal with. Along with physical illnesses are, of course, emotional issues that may come up, especially during life stressor times such as transitions and changes, which young adulthood has plenty of. Now, Jody, what are some of those stressors or risk factors that might be unique to young adults? So young adulthood is a time of a lot of transitions. So young adulthood would include college, transitioning from college to living in the real world, and then living in the real world. So during your 20s and moving into your early 30s, this is a time of transition in terms of job and working and finding new relationships. And so during this time period, there's a lot of developmental changes and life changes that affect young adults. In addition to coping with those life changes, having to manage a chronic illness can impact all of those different experiences and transitions. I'll start off 
a bit talking about college. Um, so during college, you could be living with various roommates. There could be various different types of friendships that you engage in, making new friends, um, getting to know new people. Um, another issue is keeping up with academic expectations. So being able to attend your classes and have a schedule that works for you while at the same point, learning how to manage your medical care. And I think that's another um, point that is uh, specific to patients with PI is that during college, this is the first time that you're really learning how to manage your healthcare without your parents. So prior to college, you probably had your parents who were managing your insurance and your appointments and making sure that you received immunoglobulin therapy. And now you're in college. And in addition to studying and having a good time, you also have to manage your health care. So I think this is a time of very large transition for people who are in college to learn how to attend their appointments, set up appointments with their doctors, and also incorporate managing their health while going to college. Uh, this is also a time of dealing with peer pressure, so making sure that PI patients you know, are not making risky decisions in terms of drugs and alcohol, in terms of um, sexual relationships and making sure that they maintain sexual health. And then also dating, so learning how to tell new people um, about your illness and some of, this, some of the modifications that come with managing it, as well as talking to new friends, um, talking to friends about what PI is and some of the modifications that you might have to make in college. After college, there's a lot of other transitions that can occur for patients with PI. So starting a new job. So this may mean that coming from college, you're starting new healthcare insurance, um, learning how to manage your co-pays and making choices and decisions around your treatment care with your doctor. Also too, during this time period, you may have a new relationship or starting a new relationship or transitioning your relationship from college. Um, again, learning to manage your medical care during work. So this is an important point because as we enter the work world in college, we have some protections um, that are put in place for people with chronic illnesses that allow us to study and take extra time and make modifications that will allow for patients with PI to manage their illness, but this doesn't exist in the work environment. So how do we make sure that our employers know that we are valuable and that we're ambitious and we're still able to work while at the same time not discriminating against potential absence, which can occur with patients with PI. So talking to our employers at the right time, knowing when to reveal your illness is important to make sure that you're protecting yourself. Uh, this is, you know, in some ways, this is the best time for patients with PI because there are a lot of alternatives in terms of work where you're not stuck to a desk from nine to five. You may have the ability to work from home when you may have to do your immunoglobulin treatment or if you're not feeling well, um, to be able to access your laptop and, and not have to come into work. So in many ways, um, for those of you who are choosing positions, having that flexibility might be very important to you. Jody, that's a great point. So Jody, you were diagnosed uh, after you went through college. So you, of course, had lots of transitions 
of your own. Uh, but you did not deal with this one specifically as a patient yourself. But uh, my understanding is that you have some patients who uh, are college uh, students or have been going through this. Uh, without betraying any confidences, of course. Can you tell us anything uh, about what you've, what you've heard and what you've learned uh, specifically through those? Yes. So in my patients and my experience of working within and volunteering within the PI community of college-age students, um, at this time, I think one of the biggest things that college students are grasping, depending on when they were diagnosed, is sort of adjusting to the illness. So I have patients who were recently diagnosed, and they're still in the process of adjusting to what the illness looks like and what does this mean. So I, depending on what age you were diagnosed, you still might not know how to incorporate uh, various modifications to make sure that you don't get sick, how often... Um, how often you need your IVIG treatments, when to see a doctor. So all of those things are important during college age time. I think another really important thing that um, pops up at college and then will again happen through young adulthood is amassing your care team. So if you had been living at home and your parents were taking you to appointments and they were with you during infusions, how does that look in college? So do you, if you have to go to the hospital or you have to see a doctor, do you have a friend that comes with you? If you're not feeling well, are there peers that will go get you something to eat or will go run an errand for you if you're just not feeling up to it? And then maybe rearranging you know, your immunoglobulin schedule. So what will work for you? Would you do it in the doctor's office? Does it make sense for you to do it in the dorm room? And if so, how do you make those arrangements with your roommates that you might be having an infusion for a period of time? Or if you're using sub-Q and you need to have those supplies um, within your dorm room. So those are some of the issues I think that college students are dealing with in addition to dating. Um, I think this is a big time where patients are having to have that experience of talking about this on their own with people that they don't know. So I think those are some of the issues that can, can occur during college time. Well, Jody, uh, the, the issue of dating, I think, is a, a great transition point here. Uh, romantic and social relationships, uh, which first begin in adolescence and usually develop into uh, more serious and committed relationships uh, in young adulthood uh, are, of course, tricky. Uh, now, when you start a new relationship, it can be, I think, really exciting and, and fun, of course, but it can also be intense as you find out about each other. For someone with PI, there, of course, may be some particular concerns. When should you tell them that you have a PI? How will they react? Can you give our uh, listeners here any tips on deciding how and when to tell someone uh, about your condition uh, as the relationship develops. Sure. Yeah, John, you made a very good point. Young adulthood is a time when individuals start and begin to look for committed relationships, and it can be daunting and intimidating to worry about how to explain PI to a romantic partner that you don't know. And it's not uncommon to worry about how a significant other could react um, because it's difficult to explain to others what PI is since it's a rare illness. So I kind of sum this up into sort of three categories in terms of thinking about dating. In terms of dating, it would be who, who's the right person to tell, 
who would be somebody that would be a trustworthy person, who would be somebody that would have the personality characteristics that they would be understanding and empathetic to dating somebody with a chronic illness. How? So, you know, how do I explain this to them? If someone doesn't know what PI is, it's not uncommon for others to say things or to feel scared or ask questions that, um, that may make another PI patient feel uncomfortable because they don't know what the illness is. So common things that people could say is, is this infectious? Is this something that I can get? Can you pass this along to children? And you have to be prepared to sort of answer some of those questions for someone at the same point, trying not to take offense to it because they're just asking out of curiosity and, and may ask some things that at times could be hurtful, but not intended to be so. And then when, when is a good time to tell somebody? So, you know, getting to know somebody and making sure that you have the type of relationship with somebody that they're ready to hear your story. If you tell, there are certain people that if you share this information with too early, it may overwhelm them and they may not get a chance to know you before making sort of some decisions about relationships and dating. There are other people where you may meet and you tell them right away because there is a connection. So it's sort of assessing who, when, and how with each individual person. And I think that's important. I think another key part in thinking about the context of dating relationships in young adulthood is to have an understanding about where you are with the illness so that in people asking questions, when people ask you questions, you're prepared to answer. So for example, you know, you may say PI is a disease where I'm missing part of my immune system and it causes me to have severe and persistent infections. However, I'm able to manage the disease through monthly infusions and I'm able to incorporate my healthcare management in my everyday life and I live a full life. I'm able to go to school and work and have fun and do recreational activities so that the person hears, okay, this is something that you manage. Um, this is something that you do, you're used to it, you are still able to be accomplished and live a full life. And I think that's important too. That's great, thanks. Navigating young adulthood is difficult, especially with the added complexity of a chronic condition. The management is time consuming, there's often a financial burden associated with treatment, and there are unique college and workplace considerations among others. Their life stage demands energy and momentum, no matter which stage it is. What coping strategies would you say young adults can adopt to deal with the emotional issues and concerns that relate to their illnesses? John, this is an important question, and I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is building a support network, and I think that this is really important. Part of managing a chronic illness, in particular PI, is that Often at times we are dependent upon other people. So that may mean when we're not feeling well that someone, you know, goes and gets some groceries for us or they run some errands or walk your dog or it may mean that someone escorts you to a medical procedure um, where you might need somebody to drive you home. And I think it's really important to have a community of people that you can count on for various needs and identifying who can help you in those various areas. There may be some friends who, or family members if they're close by or significant others who are good at the emotional component. So talking about 
when and why and, and why it's hard at certain points and when it's frustrating when you're not feeling well or when you're frustrated around uh, managing your time around your appointments, that's important to have a friend or a family member that you can call on the phone or just sort of talk to. Then there's some friends or family members who may be able to provide action support. So that means going and getting groceries, taking care of things, helping with logistics, driving you to appointments. I think that support is very necessary and vital once you are a young adult. And this is what you really need to form, which you had inherently through your family growing up. So the other part is how do we manage being productive and work in school while at the same time balancing the time consumption with your care and also managing your care so that your ambition doesn't supersede your health care. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Making smaller modifications and keeping up with your health care maintenance can prevent larger hassles down the road. I think knowing when to ask for help is also very important and ask people how they can best help. So there may be some people who have time to drive you somewhere. There may be friends who have time to pick up the phone, but sort of assess how and when people can help you. Finding balance is really important. Um, for those of us with PI, our immune, our immune system is compromised. So this means that we can become tired more easily. And if we have a busy schedule, we can be overwhelmed and it can make it harder for us to fight off illness and infection. So be aware of this and try to make sure that if you know, wow, I'm studying for exam where work has been really hectic and I notice that I'm only getting six, seven hours of sleep and I'm starting to feel run down, that you make sure that you're taking care of yourself and making those decisions. I know one of the things PI patients talk quite a bit about is when it's hard when you're missing out on things, that the time that it takes for us when we're away from doing the things that we love doing because we're not feeling well or we have an immunoglobulin therapy or sub-Q, um, that we're missing out on things sometimes and that can be really hard. So making sure that you're leading a full life so that when you're feeling well and healthy, you're able to best participate in your life. Um, I think that uh, an important transition and something to keep in mind is the work environment. And if you have the opportunity, one of the things that can be a challenge is making sure that you have a job that you're able to do and incorporate your medical schedule. So oftentimes the work environment may not be kind um, in making modifications for your illness and you need to be prepared you know, if you are discriminated against. Um, be aware of your local government sick leave policy. Be mindful of not sharing your illness until that you know it's safe. It's important that you make sure that you tell your boss at the right time. Sharing your illness too early, your boss may be unaware of your productivity capacity and they may discriminate against you. However, it's important to recognize that if you have a positive relationship with your superiors and they know that you're, and you know that your position is safe, that you may be able to find some ways to modify your work, which may include working days from home, um, being able to work um, various hours so that you can attend appointments. Um, in some ways, this is the best time for patients in the work environment because technology lends to freedoms that we didn't have. We're not necessarily tied to a physical space for all jobs, and it can be possible to catch up with work via your laptop at night and on the weekends.
Well, Jody, this has been great, uh, but let's take a uh, short break here, and then you and I are going to talk some more. Okay, great. IDF wants to help you manage living with primary immunodeficiency, including your health, insurance, education, and relationships. You get support from your family and friends, but IDF can provide you with advice and resources to help you cope with a wide variety of issues related to young adulthood and PI. Please visit us at www.primaryimmune.org for tips, advice, and support. Welcome back. My guest here is Jody Topp, who is discussing the emotional and psychological impact of a PI in young adulthood. Jody, welcome back. Thanks, John, for having me today. Now, Jody, with your support network, you mentioned family. What do you do during these times of transition if you don't, if your family's not on board fully, if you find that some of the people that you traditionally count on for support uh, are not there and you have to go and create a new support network. Yeah, so I think forming those support networks as a young adult is important and I think it starts with forming strong relationships during young adulthood. You probably have developed some friends both in college and then in your city of choice after college or town. You may end up in a town that was close to where you grew up. You may be living in a new city where you're sort of accessing new people. And so I think identifying people within your community through those friendships um, is very important. And if you don't have family close by, which a lot of young adults in today's day and age end up having to live in different places to, um, to work and to go to school, it's you know, letting people know about your illness, talking about it with friends and family and potentially coworkers. And when people ask, what can I do? How can I support you? Letting them know how you can. So how, how to divide responsibilities amongst your support system. I think another part that's really important is connecting to the PI community. One of the things that IDF does really well is to foster connections. So we have a really strong peer community throughout the United States. There's a very large online community. There's peer one-on-one support. So you'll be able to find various peers who have PI within the community, and you may be able to reach out to them for support as well. Patients within the PI community know inherently what it is like to manage this illness. And so there, there is a connection amongst PI patients throughout the country. And I think that's an important piece in learning how to manage your illness when you're away from home and family. Jody, that's awesome. Thank you. Now, Jody, it's common for family and friends to be, um, to frankly, be unsure of how to best help support a loved one with PI. There are so many different ways to be supportive. So I'd ask, are the, do you have any suggestions for our young adults listening today where they can share their feelings and get help? And then for family and friends who may be listening, do you have any advice on how they can best support someone with PI? Great, John. I think this is another important topic for young adults is how to talk to others about PI and how to get support. 
So it's a common phrase within the PI community that patients will talk about that, hey, people always talk about how I don't look sick. So many of us, although we look very healthy from the outside, most people would not know that we were ill, even though we may be facing some serious and, and chronic healthcare conditions. And trying to explain to others what a rare illness is that they've never heard of can be complicated. And, but I think there's ways to simplify it and make it easier so that others can understand what the illness is and what it looks like for you. So one thing I think is important is to own your own experience. So develop a rehearsed, comfortable way to explain PI to others. So PI affects everybody in different ways, depending on when you were diagnosed and depending on the treatment that you've had. And so some of us, the disease manifests in various ways. And so learning how to explain that to other people from your own perspective. So it may be, hey, I, I used to have chronic and severe persistent infections and I receive infusions once a month. And by receiving those infusions, I lead a happy and healthy life. However, because my immune system is compromised, I have to be really careful and cautious around people that are sick. And sometimes I do get sick and it might be more severe than you or someone else, but I need to be careful. I think it's important to tailor this to your own experience when you tell somebody else. It's important that the other people around you know how it affects you and what you need. So you may go through periods where you feel really healthy for six months or a year, and there may be times where you might get a bad flu or an infection or spend some time in the hospital and letting others know how they can be supportive of you is really important. Um, and sharing with significant others and friends, you know, when is an appropriate time to share your story? Who's an appropriate listener? Be prepared to answer questions about marriage and kids and health prognosis. So having time to think about how you feel about your illness and how it affects you and some of the questions that people may ask will help you to prepare so you're not caught, you know, caught off guard and taken aback by those questions, yet you're able to have that discussion and help the other person to understand so that they can support you. Now, Jody, Emotions affect the quality of, of everyone's life. Let's face it, life is an emotional roller coaster a lot of the time. Depression and anxiety, of course, are among the most common mental health conditions experienced by young people in general. Research shows that young people are more likely to experience a mental health disorder when they suffer, of course, from a chronic illness such as PI. Jody, do you have any tips for our listeners on how to manage depression and anxiety? Hi, John. I think this is a very important subject to patients um, and also for caregivers who take care of patients with PI because recent studies have shown that patients with PI have higher rates of anxiety and depression than the rest of the population. So that means many of us are suffering and managing um, clinical anxiety and depression. And so I'm gonna start off by defining what anxiety and depression are since they're commonly used terms in today's vernacular and often stress is described as anxiety and depression, but responding to everyday stressors or being in a bad mood doesn't mean that you have a clinical anxiety or depression. And anxiety and depression are serious medical conditions that do need to be diagnosed by a mental health professional and recognizing how to cope with our emotions when we're stressed is very important. And then also identifying when would be 
a good time for us to seek additional professional help. So some signs and symptoms of depression would be anger, irritability, low tolerance for daily stressors. So noticing that everyday things are just sort of bothering you across the board. Uh, boredom. Some people will describe saying, you know, I'm just bored with everything. I'm not feeling excited about anything. Uh, withdrawing. So not wanting to participate in activities that you used to, not wanting to spend time with friends and family and isolating yourself, avoiding social activities with peers and significant others that you used to find fun and not wanting to do these things anymore. Cheerfulness. So recognizing that you're getting tearful on everyday um, occurrences that typically people would not be upset about, having intense feelings of sadness and hopelessness, and physical symptoms. Um, I think this is probably one of the more um, complicated differentiations with patients who have PI because some of the physical symptoms of anxiety and depression can mimic some of our physical health care symptoms such as asthma. So such signs and symptoms would be having sort of a rapid heartbeat or feeling almost like a butterfly feeling in your chest, um, having difficulty sleeping, having trouble waking up in the morning or having a hard time going to bed at night, having ruminating thoughts. So that means that you're continually running the same sort of worrying thoughts kind of run in a reel um, in your head. Often I describe this to my patients as going down the rabbit hole. So you may have a bad day at work and then it sort of tips off into a whole slew of other negative thinking that you feel about yourself and your life and your overall um, experience. So if you are experiencing anxiety and depression, there are times where people can have this where it's situational, where they go through a difficult lifetime or transition. There may be a breakup or you lose a job or somebody moves away or somebody passes away or shifts in your health care can cause this. Feeling sick or having a bout of a difficult infection can trigger some of these feelings of anxiety and depression. And so the question is, when this is going on, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we cope? And when do we know to seek professional help? So coping skills, I think acknowledging your limitations and applying modifications. So if you know that, wow, I've been really feeling badly for about two weeks or three weeks, and this is going on extensively, and I'm noticing across the board that people that are close to me are recognizing that they're concerned about my emotional health. Uh, it's important to, at that point, seek some help. And often people who do suffer from anxiety and depression don't realize that they need the help. They sometimes don't have the insight because they're clouded by some of their feelings. So signs where you may want to seek professional help include the following. When your emotional response begins to impact work, family, and relationships. So you're starting to have problems at work. It's getting harder to attend work or to keep up with the tasks at work. When you're starting to have issues within family relationships and personal relationships. And then at this point, you know, often it takes a family member or a close friend to intervene and say, hey, you know what, I think you need to, to get some help. So what kind of help is available for people who may be suffering from anxiety and depression? 
so talk therapy and psychotropic medications when professionally indicated. I think the most important thing is getting through the front door to, to go see somebody. So I often use the terms, get, get on the couch. So take somebody in to go talk to a therapist. It's really important that if you do feel that you are suffering from anxiety and depression and those around you have recognized the signs and symptoms that you go in to see a qualified mental health professional who can do an assessment and determine how and when you should be treated. And treating anxiety and depression occurs on a very individualized basis. There are some people who may benefit from talk therapy in terms of improving coping skills and improving insight. And there are some versions of um, anxiety and depression that may be more severe and persistent and may have a biological component and may require psychotropic medication. But all of these diagnostics should be made by a professional. So lastly, I want to talk about uh, an important topic related to anxiety and depression, and that's suicidal or homicidal thoughts. And this is a sign of untreated clinical depression and anxiety, and it's important to recognize that these thoughts and feelings you should not feel ashamed of them, but if you recognize that either you yourself or someone you know is experiencing suicidal or homicidal ideation, that they should be treated by a medical professional on an immediate basis. And I think what's important to recognize about these sort of thoughts and feelings is that it's a sign that you have untreated um, clinical depression and it is treatable. It is 100% treatable by talk therapy and psychotropic medication in combination and with the right treatment team. So it's important to know that even if you do have or experience some of these feelings or thoughts that it can be treated, but it must be treated from a medical professional. Well, Jody, thank you so much. Uh, this has been great. Uh, and I think that that is all the time that we've got for today. Uh, I think that this has been uh, not only informative and illuminating, but uh, this has really been uh, my pleasure to be a part of. Uh, we hope this discussion has offered uh, all of you listeners uh, some uh tips, tricks, and insights into uh, how to deal with these issues when it comes to being a young adult. John, thank you so much for having me today. And many thanks to our listeners for being with us today. We hope that you'll join us for more of these segments as we explore concerns of young adults. Until then, all of us here at IDF want to wish you good health and strength. And remember, you're never alone. There are always people out there who want to help. We all just have to find each other. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation. The Young Adult Series is supported by a charitable donation from CSL Bearing. Thank you to CSL Bearing for their support. Also, special thanks to Bryson Kemp for scoring this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so future episodes will be pushed to your device automatically. And rate us on iTunes, as that will help others discover this podcast series. To learn more about primary immunodeficiency and the PI community, please visit the IDF website at www.primaryimmune.org. And if you have a question you would like answered, email us at info at primaryimmune.org. Thanks for tuning in.